This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down and devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. These are the words of God. So the situation um, that we find in this particular book um, you need a little bit of, of history, uh, context, if you will, uh, for the book of Habakkuk to kind of understand what Habakkuk is talking about here. So the brief history of the, the story of Israel is this, is that Israel came through a dude named Abraham, okay? Uh, from Abraham, the story of Genesis takes us through his descendants and then into the book of Exodus, we find um, that the family of Abraham, which becomes the nation of Israel, they are in Egypt, okay? They, they go down to Egypt to avoid this famine. That's the story of Joseph, right, where Joseph brings the family of, of Israel down into Egypt, and they are uh, saved from the famine because of Joseph's high position in Egypt. You guys are all familiar with that story pretty well? Okay. Um, so from there, God raises up Moses, okay? Now Moses is the one who leads the people out of Egypt, right? And uh, brings them into the, the wilderness and the people, because they turn away from God, that particular that first generation that Moses leads out of the wilderness or out of Egypt and into the wilderness, God, uh, because they the people turned away from God, um, God says this first generation is going to die in the wilderness because of their lack of faithfulness to me. 
Okay, so that first generation did not reach the promised land that God had for the nation of Israel. Um, Now Moses, so he also died outside of the promised land, okay? And then Joshua kind of takes up where he leaves off and then he actually brings Israel into the promised land, okay? But the story of the nation of Israel, if you read the book of Judges, is like they served the Lord and then they turned away. God brings judgment and then they turn back. It's literally this over and over and over again all throughout the book of Judges, okay? Um, <laughs> and uh, so basically, that's kind of the, the history of the nation of Israel. It's this kind of this back and forth. Um, we're going to serve the Lord, but then we're going to turn away and worship the, the gods of the, the culture, the gods of, of, you know, the other nations around, around Israel. And eventually... Habakkuk, in his day, the nation of Israel had by and large turned away from God. And we saw that in what we were reading. They had by and large, by and large turned away from God and they were worshiping false God, gods. There was injustice, there was violence, there was oppression. Um, all these horrible things were happening in the land of Israel, okay? Uh, specifically in the southern kingdom, because that's another thing that happened. Uh, Israel was one kingdom, but because of the sin, weakness, and failure of leaders, uh, it split into two kingdoms. And so Habakkuk is specifically, uh, he's looking at the southern kingdom. Now, um, Habakkuk is writing his prophecy about 10 to 20 years before the Babylonians came in and... uh, basically wiped out Judah and brought several of, of the Jews back to Babylon, okay? So he's looking at what's going on in Judah. He's seeing all of the wickedness, the sin of his own people, and he's crying out to the Lord. He's distraught by the problem of evil. And so I'll give you guys a little bit of a, a structure of the book of Habakkuk, okay? So the first, the first thing is Habakkuk's first complaint, Then God answers that complaint. Then Habakkuk's second complaint. And then God answers that. And then chapter three is Habakkuk's song of praise in response to this previous conversation that he had had with God. So that's pretty much the whole structure of the book of Habakkuk. So tonight we're going over Habakkuk's first complaint and then God's response to that. And so this series I have called Living by faith, living by faith. And the reason that I've called it that is because if you look at the end of, at the end of the book of Habakkuk, God essentially has promised destruction. He's like, yes, I see the wickedness of the people of Israel, and I'm going to bring in the Babylonians to destroy and to punish the wicked and bring, uh, bring several of the Jews captive back to Babylon, okay? So basically, Habakkuk, he he says, Lord, there's evil. And God's like, I know, I'm going to punish the evil. And Habakkuk, that's not really the answer that he's looking for. Um, So it's really, it's kind of a funny funny conversation between he and God. Um, But this is the, the main theme for tonight's message. Since the title of this series is Living by Faith, the main theme that we're going to see in this passage is that The life of faith is a life of prayer. The life of faith is a life 
of prayer. And to give you guys kind of an example, just from my own life, um, several years back, I was, I was kind of going through um, a, a sudden job change where there was, there was some, some stuff that was going on and uh, the Lord had made it really clear that I was supposed to leave this job. And that was terrifying to me because it was like, this was my dream job. Um, I, you know, I thought that this was where I was going to be, but the Lord had made it clear that I was actually going to have to leave this job. And so I remember... The, the, the fear, the anxiety, the overwhelmingness of it all. And so I, I had a, a habit of once a week, uh, which I need to get back to this habit, but once a week going off by myself with the Lord and praying, reading my Bible, and journaling about what the Lord was teaching me. And so I did that on this particular instance. I had all these, these intense circumstances. It was a life-changing time for me and for Lindsay. Um, and I had all of these things that were weighing on me. And so I, I went off by myself, just me and the Lord, to this spot by a river that was really near where uh, Lindsay was living at the time. And I began to pray, and I began to talk to the Lord about these circumstances that were going on in my life. And the result of that conversation that I had with God is he responded by saying, ultimately, the reason that I was feeling all of these feelings and what, what was really going on God said, you don't trust me. That's what, and I would not have known that. I would not have had that realization if I hadn't gone to the Lord and asked him to speak to me, asked him to reveal what was going on. And this is what we see in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is looking at the circumstances. He sees the evil. He sees the sin that's happening in his own, his own land, in his own country. And so he goes to God, his, his life of faith resulted in a life of prayer. And so specifically in this passage, we actually see three things about prayer. The first is this, is that we can go to God directly. We can go to God directly. The second thing is that God always answers our prayers perfectly. And the third thing is that God sometimes answers our prayers surprisingly. Okay? So God, we can go to God directly. God always answers our prayers perfectly, but sometimes God answers our prayers surprisingly. Look with me at verse 2. Verse 2 says this, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear. Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. See, Habakkuk is looking at everything that's going on. He's looking at the, the leadership of Israel and how they're, they're not giving justice to the people, how they're not taking care of the poor. He's looking at the idolatry that's happening in his culture, and rather than going and like, wagging his finger at people and being like, hey, stop worshiping that idol. Hey, you should give justice. Rather than going to all these different places, Habakkuk goes directly to God. He goes to the one whom he knows has the power and the authority to do something about the situation that he saw 
in his life. And this is actually the view that the Bible presents to us of God. The Bible presents to us a God who is sovereign over all things, a God who has uh, the ultimate say over every single circumstance that happens in this world. And so because Habakkuk knows that, he goes to God directly. And it's so like us. I know I struggle with this, and I'm sure you guys struggle with this too. It's so like us to go and talk to friends, to family, to, uh, to other people before we go and talk to God about what's going on in our lives. In fact, I just had a phone conversation with a good friend of mine this week. Um, he previously um, had, had come to me and, and, and was telling me all these difficult things that were going on in his life, and he was kind of unburdening himself. And I am happy, like I, said, I told him, I'm happy to, to be that guy for you. I'm happy to be your friend. I'm happy to listen to you. But he called me a few days later, and he told me, you know, I got to apologize to you because I went and talked to you before I went and talked to God. And the Lord had convicted him of choosing to, uh, to speak with a friend rather than going and speaking with God about the circumstances that were going on in his life. And that is such a, a temptation for us because uh, people are right here. Right? I mean, Joel's right in front of me. If something's going, going on in my life, you know, I can just go talk to him about it, right? Or if Joel, something's going on in Joel's life, he can come talk to me about it, right? But God is the one who is ultimately in control. And not only that, God loves Joel even more than I do. God loves Allie even more than I do. And so what God desires for us when we survey the, maybe there's something difficult that's going on in your life right now. Maybe you're going through a hard time of struggling with, you know, uh, a sin or, or sadness or, or a family situation or whatever it is. Are you going to God about that thing? Or are you choosing to speak with other people who can't ultimately fix the situation? There's a, there's a movie. I don't know how many of you guys have seen this movie, and I'm not recommending it right now, um, but it's called Saving Private Ryan. Have you guys heard this movie before or seen it? So there's a scene in the movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but in the, there's a scene in the movie where there's a, uh, some lower-ranking individuals, and they're speaking to the captain, and, uh, and uh, they're, they're like, hey, captain, how come, uh, how come you don't complain to us? Like, how come you don't complain in front of us? And the captain looks at him, and he says, he says complaints go up not down. Complaints go up, not down. He's like, I don't gripe in front of you. I don't gripe near you. He's like, you gripe to me, and then I gripe to my superiors. And that's a really, really cool illustration of, of what we should do in our own lives. As we, we come across doubts or fears or anxieties or the different things that are going on in our lives, we gripe upward. We take those fears and anxieties and, and worries and, or even the pains and difficulties of life. We take those to the Father. One, because he loves us and two, because he can do something about it. And so once again, the question is, is if there's something going on in your life right now, have you taken it to God? 
have you brought it before your Father in heaven who is absolutely sovereign and he loves you more than you can possibly imagine? So we go directly to God. But the second thing that we see is that God always answers our prayers perfectly. God always answers our prayers perfectly. Look at verse five. He says this, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. This is the interesting thing. So Habakkuk thinks that he's kind of having an original thought He's, and so he's, he's going to God and he's complaining. He's like, look at all this stuff that's going on. Like, God, why, do I, why, do I, why am I talking to you? And you're not doing anything about it. And then God responds in verse five. And God's like, he's like, yeah, I know there's stuff going on. In fact, I've already been working on the answer before you even spoke to me. It's amazing. It's so awesome that God's like, he's like, yeah, I know. In fact, if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't even believe it. And so God is already working on the answer to the prayer that Habakkuk hadn't even prayed yet. But the interesting thing, and we'll talk about this here in just a minute, is the answer was different than what Habakkuk was hoping for. Habakkuk was hoping for instantaneous removal of the wicked of the circumstances. And God says, No, I have a different plan. I once heard a a quote that said this, that God is not in the business of doing things quickly. He's in the business of doing things perfectly. God's not in the business of doing things quickly, but he's in the business of doing things perfectly. I'll give you a prime example of that is uh, my relationship with Lindsay. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but... uh, if you guys go to Bible college or, or to a Christian college, if you graduate and you don't have uh, someone you're married to or like engaged to or like, you know, have that significant other, it's pretty much just assumed that you're going to be single forever, okay? So that, that's, that's the mentality, okay? Just letting you know, if you go to a Christian college, watch out for that. Um, but uh, so Lindsay and I both had a very similar experience. I... Uh, went to Bible college, came out the other side, single as a Pringle, okay? Uh, and uh, so I just assumed, all right, well, I guess this is the monk life for me, right? <laughs> single forever. Um, and so, but I, I prayed to the Lord about this. I was like, Lord, like, I want a wonderful woman who loves you and, uh, you know, who can, can be that, that, that person who stands alongside me as I serve you, right? But, you know, early 20s, well, actually, 18, 19 years old, that didn't happen. Early 20s, that didn't happen. You know, later and later and later, I didn't meet Lindsay until I was like 25 or 26. Um, now, Lindsay had a very similar experience. In fact, Lindsay, I just, we were just in the car the other day, and I asked her, I was like, like how old did, if you had it your way, how old did you want to be when you were married? She's like, I wanted to be married in high school. And I was like, I was like wow. And in fact, it's pretty crazy. So like, uh, she wrote letters to her future husband with very specific prayers, okay? Now, what's interesting is that the exact things that she prayed for, God did in my life. Like, specific things like, uh, I can't even remember all of the details, but like, that he would be uh, 
that her future husband would be a, a man after God's own heart, that he would be a, a good spiritual leader, all these different things. But what's interesting is that when Lindsay wrote those letters, I was not a Christian. When Lindsay wrote those things, I didn't even really have a relationship with Jesus. And so she was praying for those things. And then over time, God was doing those things in my heart and in my life. And if even just a few years later, if God had answered that prayer of Lindsay's at 21 or 22, I would have been a brand new Christian. I would have been a terrible husband. I wouldn't have known how to lead or how to be a good, a good you know, dad or, or a good spiritual leader or, or any of those things. If, if she had met me at, at 23, I wouldn't have been a mature believer yet. The Lord waited until the perfect moment at Safeway, believe it or not. I was sitting there scanning items and, and just doing my thing. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, who is that? <laughs> I didn't actually say that. <laughs> but she came through my, <laughs> she came through my line. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I look at her arm and she's got this tattoo. And I instantly know that it's a Bible verse. And I was like, oh. I should talk to her. <laughs> and so, anyway, so I share, I share all of that. But to, to illustrate this point is that God answered our prayers perfectly, but he didn't answer them in the, he didn't answer them quickly. He answered them at the right time. <laughs> uh, he answered them at the right time. And so, for us, we need to allow God to answer our prayers in his perfect way. Because God is answering our prayers with, with two things in mind. One, what will be the most beneficial for you as his child? What will make you the most like Jesus? And two, what will bring God the most glory? Those two things are what God has in mind as he is answering and bringing about the prayers uh, or bringing about the answers to our prayers. So, and this is just the the reality is that there's this awesome quote um, from John Piper where he says that God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now and you might be aware of two or three of them. But God is always doing thousands and thousands of things, working out uh, circumstances and relationships. He is, he is orchestrating all of this to bring you to where he wants you to be, someone who looks more and more like Jesus. And he's using all these different circumstances. We only see a portion of the picture. Habakkuk only saw a portion of the picture. He saw all of the wickedness, and then we'll see next week. He's like, oh, that's not the answer I want, Lord. Give me a different answer. But, but TJ is going to talk about that next week. Um, but he answers our prayers perfectly. And the last point is this, is that, and it's closely related, is that God sometimes answers our prayers surprisingly. And then if we look at verse six, we see the surprise answer. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, which is another another. Another way of saying Babylonians, 
that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. And so God gives a surprising answer to Habakkuk's prayer. And when we see those answers that aren't necessarily what we expect, we need to remember the previous truth that God always answers our prayers perfectly, even if it doesn't look like what we might expect because we only see part of the picture. Returning to our previous illustration, when God said not yet to Lindsay and I for several years, that was very painful. It was hard because we, uh, both of us had gotten to a place where we thought that we were going to be single for the rest of our lives. But God had a plan. He had a different plan than ours, but it was a perfect plan. Sometimes God answers our prayers in ways that we don't necessarily expect. And this is why Jesus, when he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us this way. He he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be glorified. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So he teaches us as we pray to have the heart posture of saying, God, I want your will, not my will. Your will be done in my life and in the world around me. This is how Jesus teaches us to pray. And so as we, as we live by faith and we, we live a life of prayer, we need to allow God to answer our prayers in the ways that he sees fit because his, his ways are better than our ways. I'll close with this. Tim Keller has this really awesome quote and he says this. He says that in prayer, God will, will do one of two things. He'll either give you what you ask for or he'll give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knew. You see, we only see part of the picture. And so we ask in light of the information that we have. But God has all of the information. He sees the whole picture. And so he answers in light of the information that he has in such a way that it will be of your utmost benefit and for his utmost glory. Let's pray. And then we're going to jump into our groups.